How does San Diego State's decision to try to go back to the Mountain West Conference affect Utah and the Pac-12 Media Rights deal? We're talking about it on today's Locked On You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you all had a great 4th of July and appreciate you joining us for today's show. My name is JT Wistow, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, it's more conference realignment talk with our expert and the host of the Lockdown Pac-12 podcast, Spencer McLaughlin. And Spencer, you know, I wasn't sure if we'd be talking Pac-12 media right stuff this week, but then you get San Diego State and the craziness that happened really late last week where they announced their intention to stay with the mountain west conference but now there's this whole thing too where the mountain west conference is like going back and forth and if they they want to let them back in based on the latest thing i read it's a it's a doozy as everything with the pac-12 media rights deal but as it pertains to utah like i still feel like the pac-12 the pac-12 it it seems like not a lot has changed like since this happened doesn't seem to be like some set of panic that like wow this is really going to hurt their media rights deals numbers i still feel confident saying like i know there's a lot of people who are still on the bolt for the big 12 bandwagon I, i still feel good about staying in the pack for now i still feel like they're going to be able to get a good comparable media rights deal to what they're going to be able to do. But I continue to say most, the most important thing is not to overreact to what happens and to continue to wait and see how this all plays out. But what is your reaction to the craziness that's kind of ensued? And what do you think the best course of action is for Utah and the other Pac-12 schools? I certainly didn't think we'd be sitting here in July talking about <laughs> the deal that still hasn't materialized. I can assure you of that. Did not think we'd be talking about San Diego State not having been formally admitted to the conference, but that was actually kind of brilliantly played by the by the Mountain West and, and San Diego State, which I'll get to in in just a sec. But I mean, the, the word coming from inside the Pac-12 is that optimism is still warranted and they're not panicking. There is no sense of gloom and doom inside the Pac-12. Outside the Pac-12, however, you can find gloom and doom all over the place. There are people that are probably going to watch this video and comment about gloom and doom. And look, you can get statements that are not completely honest or to the point. That's kind of what our job is, is to try and help people cut through what's legit and what is not. But the the consistent theme from the Pac-12 presidents and from you know, the conference, which has not done any messaging, it has been, they feel fine. They don't feel a looming set. You know, you had those comments from Colorado and Arizona's presidents who were, you know, leaving the door open in the event that the Pac-12 doesn't get a media deal that's close to the Big 12 and they would, you know, jump over there and have more money or, or something like that. That would have to be a pretty sizable gap, I think, for that to happen. It could, but it would have to be a large, large gap between the Pac-12 and the Big 12 media rights deal valuation there and payout distribution per school. But you had them leaving that open and they don't appear any closer today to jumping than they were a few weeks ago, right? And and even though there were people with sources that like, oh, Colorado's announcing in 48 hours. Oh, Colorado's going to announce, going, they got a board meeting. Yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna announce that they're going to the Big 12. It's like, no, they were always going to wait for the media deal, which is what they should do. That's it's exactly. the most logical thing to do. Wait for the deal and then go from there and see what the best course of action is. That's what any 
the university would do. It's not like the Big 12 is saying, hey, you got to join us by this state. Like, no, the Big 12 is not in a position to, you know, to, to put that sort of high leverage demand on the table. They'll take a Power 5 school anytime they can get them. They're not going to particularly care, but... It's not as if the lobbying has has stopped. I, I think the lobbying might have stopped from the Big Twelve front office and the schools. They might, you know, share a phone call every now and then. That's speculative on my part, not reporting anything. But I think the message from the Big Twelve or the pitch essentially has been made. There's like there's nothing else to be said. We have our deal. They've now signed it. They've now officially inked their their four new teams from from the G five: BYU, UCF, Houston, and uh, and and Cincinnati. That's all been formalized and finalized, and it's it's a done deal and everything. So Arizona and Colorado know very well what their options are. Mm-hmm. Their options are very clear. Once they see the Pac-12 deal, and then they'll see which one they like more, and they'll make a decision at that point in time. But, you know, all the Big 12 fans who really want Arizona and Colorado to leave the Pac-12 and destroy it and everything like that, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's hopeless for you on, on that particular front. But the pitch has been made over the course of a long period of time now, and they haven't jumped. Like it's it's July and we still don't have a Pac-12 media deal. It's also July and nobody has still jumped from the Pac-12, meaning they do not believe at this point in time that the deal is going to be drastically worse. Now we have to wait and see what the deal actually is, and I think they will as well. So that's that side of it. Now the San Diego State side of things, I don't know how quickly you or anybody listening or watching has followed this. It's kind of hilarious, and I, the greatest representation. I've I knew, ever, I knew you were going to bring it up. I, it's so funny. <laughs> It's so funny. Yeah. There's a video you can go like I, I retweeted on Twitter. A friend of mine pointed it out to me. Hilarious. And it's this scene from Seinfeld in which George Costanza goes into his boss's office, tears him a new one, says he's worthless. He's no good. No brains. Nothing. And then he quits. And he tells him that he quits. And then he's talking about it with Jerry because he's not able to find another job. And Jerry says, well, why don't you just pretend it never happened? And then they have this whole interplay, just like, never happened. I was blowing off steam. And then he walks back into the meeting the next day, and George is San Diego State in this whole debacle, and his boss is the Mountain West. And then he walks into the uh, the meeting on Monday morning, and all the other Mountain West schools are in there, and one woman who I think had uh, Utah State looked at him and said, what are you doing here, right? Like, there's never been a more appropriate representation if it is, in fact, that hostile, because I think there was an element of gamesmanship here from both San Diego State and the Mountain West. I think that every, I think it is possible, not saying 100% confirmed, this is just my opinion, it could be wrong, but this is kind of how it feels to me. I think everything that they have done on both sides has been calculated and somewhat coordinated, because when San Diego State releases the first letter, on June 13th, and says, we intend to leave the Mountain West, but we would like an extension. They had to have known. They're not fools that the Mountain West was going to say, no, we're not going to give you leeway. Yeah. We're not going to do that. And the Mountain West knows that that's what they want to say, and that's how the Mountain West looks the best, right? Because they're playing hardball, doing what's in the best interest of their own conference there. But then San Diego State pens another letter on June 30th saying, hey, we actually are not going to do that. But then the Mountain West has penned another letter that said, we interpreted your intention to leave as your actual notice of resignation here. 
But the interesting thing, JT, is none of this, to my understanding, has any formal legal documentation or binding. So both sides can now go in either situation. If the Pac-12 at San Diego State, I believe the Mountain West can now go back and say, hey, we interpreted this as your formal notice of leaving, so you owe us, and, and they're withholding their media rights payment for this year, the Mountain West is, by the way, as, as kind of you know proving the point of like, this is what we actually believe, right? We acted in accordance with you were leaving the conference. So if they do end up leaving the conference, then they proceed with the exit plan. Maybe they negotiate a little bit higher than $17 million with the June 30th deadline having passed and whatnot. But then if San Diego State doesn't get an invite to the Pac-12, they can go back and say, hey, no, 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 we, we never actually left, right? The, the whole Costanza thing, like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't quit. I just, I was blowing off steam. I'm an emotional guy and everything like that. So it's, it, it could be a four-dimensional chess, brilliant play from both the Mountain West and San Diego State. It could also very well be that I am wrong in opining that and that, San Diego State did intend to leave. The Mountain West is not happy with them. They are upset with their their whole intention and whatnot. And they actually are at odds with one another. But I tend to think it's the first one. Yeah, it's, it is ext- just an extremely complicated situation, to your point that you just laid out. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people look at this and they're like, well, that's it for San Diego State to the Pac-12. As you've highlighted on your show, not necessarily either. There's still a lot left to dive into with all this. And there's a lot left to talk about with the Pac-12 media rights deal with Pac-12 Media Day, July 21st, quickly and quickly closing in. And we're going to continue to talk about all that with Spencer in a moment. But first, we want to talk to you guys about our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Take your first swing at betting on MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting on everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to be the first home run. And it's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, and get your winnings paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's no spaces, locked on, all caps, one word, to get $2,000 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. Spencer, coming back into this one, the next kind of important day for the Pac-12 with June 30th having come and gone now is July 21st because at the center of all the Pac-12 media rights deal negotiations is Commissioner Kalayakov. And with that comes his, with the arrival of the media, um, excuse me, of Pac-12 Media Day, comes him having to speak in front of all the reporters. And when he goes and does that, he's going to be faced with a lot of media rights deal questions if they don't have this done. So I think from a Utah fan's perspective, I think the thing we're looking at is that could be the next date that we get kind of answers. Although I will say these commissioners and just in general, like just general managers, coaches, everyone, they know how to play the media a little bit where they will do their best not to give stuff away. But I really can't imagine Commissioner Kalayakov is going to enjoy going out there and dodging a ton of Pac-12 media rights deal related questions because that's what he's going to have to do if they don't have a deal in place by july 21st which at this point spencer i'm not sure they are going to have a deal in place by that based on the timeline we've been on so here's here's where i land on that because my instinct is your instinct and i talked with john canzano last week on my podcast mm-hmm. about this and yeah, great episode we all have the same the same thought which is you don't want to go into media day and not be talking about football right mm-hmm. you want to go in have a deal, have the future of the conference solidified, be able to talk about the season, talk about the deal. It's going to be a great season too. Oh, it's going to be an awesome season, but it's just getting overshadowed by all of this sort of Mm -hmm. stuff because 
that's the biggest question in the conference right now. Like, Like that's unquestionably true. I'm not, I'm not denying that, you know, it's not just that it generates the most content or anything. No, it is the biggest question, you know, is what is the media deal going to be? Who are you going to expand with? Because yeah, all this stuff boils down to an interesting topic time and again, because of the impact it has on the football field. But at the end of the day, you have to have that step first, right? Got to walk before you can run. So I, I think that going into that day, if I were George Klyovkov, if I were the Pac-12 presidents, I wouldn't want to have looming questions or an uncompleted media deal and have to continue talking in these vague generalities of positivity that, you know, most people don't believe, frankly, and say, you know, oh, I, uh, you know, the deal's going to get done and we're almost there and we're going to beat the Big 12 numbers. It's like, okay, we, we've, we've, we've all heard that sort of stuff. You've already, you know, completely kicked the can down the road on the PR battle. You think that the deal is going to right all of their missteps on that front? Okay, it better do that. But I wouldn't want to be answering questions there. But here's the other thing, JT, and I can't shake this thought. How many times, right, specifically with the PR battle, which they have just chosen to not fight, they've let other people, as John Canzano put it, tell their story. They have let other people tell the story of the Pac-12 almost exclusively with a few, you know, jabs from presidents and ADs here and there. That is how I think. That is how you think. That's how a lot of people listening or watching to this think is, yeah, you shouldn't have done it this way. This is how you should be. But in what world have the Pac-12 presidents ever been in lockstep with how we are viewing these things? So our instinct with a readily available and I think pretty easy to understand justification is, yeah, we don't want to go. You don't want to go into media day without a media deal Mm -hmm. beyond this season. But they have shown time and again their priorities, their levels of concern, their discussions. It's all completely detached from the conversations that we have all the time about this sort of stuff. So my instinct is, yeah, you want to have it done by then. You absolutely do. I wouldn't want to take another you know, reputation hit for the conference and such with this stuff looming out there again. And have people just think of it as, you know, further laughing stock or ju- like people already look for reasons to mock the Pac-12 for, for a variety of reasons. But I think you want to have something to talk about that's tangible going into that day. But I would have thought you would have wanted to had something, have something to talk about by now. And the Pac-12 presidents, again, continue to be unconcerned with where the talks are and confident about where they're going and the optimism is continued and they they might just not see it the way we do. I would think this day would be different because they do want to get it done eventually. It's not as if, you know, we don't have anything to go off of really except, you know, some uh, speculation reporting and all all that sort of stuff. But they know far more about the deal than we do. So should we be trusting them that they feel good about it? Eh. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think he, I, I think proof's going to be in the pudding there. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where you just mentioned, like how the Pac-12 presidents have decided to operate, not really caring about like what we think. Well, at the end of the day, the one thing I think that they should keep in mind, and to your point about wanting to get it done before them, is we are the consumer, and the consumer is kind of dictating right now 
what has been important for college football games. It's why the SEC and the Big Ten have been the top dogs. And look, the, the Big 12 was first to the table for their media rights deal is more due to that in general. But we've seen viewership wise and just perception wise, if you're asking college general college football fans, like which conference we the Pac-12 is going to be fantastic this year as we laid out. But I think a lot of college football fans are still looking forward to the Big Ten, the SEC, all the other ones. And they're obviously they're going to have great seasons too, and they will more than likely produce who is going to be the college football playoff teams because the Pac-12 is going to cannibalize itself. So, oh, yeah. with all, so with all of that comes just more interest in those teams in the Pac-12. So you see why other networks are prioritizing that. Oh, we know the consumers want to watch these other teams, so we're going to they are able to get more money in their media rights deals and everything. And the Pac-12 in general, they continue to wait and see. It just continues to be the conference of bad optics, as I know you something you've spoken about before on this show numerous times. So it, it's just a very interesting conversation. I'm really curious to see how it's all going to shake out. Did you have anything else you wanted to add to this conversation, by the way? No, I think that that sums it up. I think decently well. Now they continue, you know, I, I saw a report or a tweet, I think from Ross Dellinger that there were now accelerated talks for, for the PAC 12 media rights discussions when the whole San Diego state debacle came down on June 30th. Right. And, and San Diego state, by the way, if I don't, I don't know if I made this specific point clear when I was talking about them, but they, have de facto gotten the extension they were looking for from the Mountain West, which is why I think it was coordinated rather than it being as hostile a situation as some people are portraying it to be. Because Gloria Navarez, the commissioner of the Mountain West, who again is no dummy, she sent out uh, an email or a letter to the Mountain West uh, presidents and chancellors that San Diego State's membership will be further discussed at our next board of directors meeting. That board of directors meeting is slated for July 17th. So San Diego State came in and said, we would like another month because of conference realignment factors beyond our control, a.k.a. the Pac-12 media deal isn't done and it's not going to be done for a little while longer. Mountain West said no, but now the Mountain West is essentially saying yes, because on the one hand, Gloria Navarez is saying Mountain West, the Mountain West is going to consider San Diego State's membership at our board of directors meeting on July 17th. But on the other hand, they already have a statement saying we have accepted your intention to leave in a letter penned on June 13th as your formal resignation of leaving the conference. So we're withholding your media rights payment because before June 30th of next year, you owe us $17 million and you're out of the league. And Adela De La Torre, the president of San Diego State, is no longer on the board of directors because they've interpreted it that way. So essentially, they 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 have set them. They, they somehow have one foot on either side of the line. There are actions that show that the Mountain West is ready to keep San Diego State, and there are actions that show that they are ready to boot San Diego State, depending on what happens. And at the end of the day, San Diego State wanted an extension, but the Mountain West didn't want to look like they were caving. to San Diego State, because that's not a good look for the conference, and other schools might get upset at that, but it's going to be discussed on July 17th. Well, wait, I thought it had already been discussed. I thought you were operating as if they were out of the conference, but they're withholding the payment, so then if San Diego State ends up getting an invite for next year, then they'll say, okay, we're going to keep this $6.6 million. You owe us another 10.4, and this is your last year in the conference. Congratulations. 
it's crazy. It's, it's, it's kind of fascinating. It is, it is fascinating. It's unbelievable, all the different angles, and it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. But as we mentioned, the goal with all of this is hopefully to get it done by July 21st, because then at Pac-12 Media Rights Day, we can talk about the season, which should be a lot of fun. Media and, Day. Pac-12 Media Day, not Media Rights Day. We hope it'll be Media Rights Day. We hope it'll be Media Rights Day. Exactly. Yeah, good catch by you. Um, and with the arrival of the Pac-12 season, of course, is going to include a lot of high and ex- flying and explosive offenses in the Pac-12 that they possess. Now, I saw a list recently that was actually put out by our um, own people at Locked On. They compiled together of the top five offenses in the Pac-12. And in that top five offenses, they had, it was, I believe, I forget the order, but USC, Washington, Oregon were the top three. I think no matter what order you want to have them in, I'd be surprised if, look, Washington had unbelievable numbers last year, but I still feel like you had to put the rating Heisman winner and Lincoln Riley at the top personally for me. So yeah. I'd probably go USC, Washington, Oregon. But any order you got them in, that is the locked in top three to me. Where you get to four is where it gets really interesting. At fourth, they had UCLA, I believe, and then at five, they had Arizona. So based on that list, the other locked on Pac-12 hosts or just or other locked on hosts in the Pac-12 conference or just everyone who voted on this did not have Utah as a top five offense. And that is where I would push back on a little bit. I personally believe Utah should be fourth in this. And the reason I believe that is, well, number one, if you look at back at last season, Utah did finish fifth overall. The team, the only team that finished above them that we didn't talk about because Washington, UC, USC, and Oregon did is UCLA. Well, UCLA, LA lost Zach Charbonnet, and they also lost DTR. I like Dante Moore. I like some of the other guys they have in there. I'm just not. I just. I, I'm rolling with Cam Rising. I'm. I'm. I'm yeah. By the way, on UCLA, I'm completely with you. I yeah. expect no matter who they're starting, whether it's Ethan Garbers, Dante Moore, or Colin Schley, I expect them to be able to get solid production from the yes. quarterback position. Chip knows how to coach offense. They've brought in a good portal class. They're going to be fine, but I I just look at UCLA and say, that has to be a pullback team. You cannot possibly bring in a first-year, a guy who, no matter who it is, is going to be a starting quarterback at the Power Five for the first time, and you cannot bring in a sort of running back who's going to be as good as Zach Charbonnet. There's no way you can match the production, and those two were integral to everything they did last year. I expect UCLA's offense to be top half in the Pac-12, but they were third in points per game a season ago, edging out Oregon by uh, less than a half point a game. I do not expect them to be able to replicate that because of what they're ha- because of the quarterback position and how great of a quarterback league the Pac-12 is. One thousand percent. I think there may be even be some UCLA fans who somehow ended up on this episode and maybe listening. Like, well, you guys have to replace Dalton Kincaid. Yeah, Brant Keithy's uh, unbelievable. Like, it's the one of the Keithy best was players. ahead of Kincaid in the depth chart last year. Yes, exactly. Like, and he had the bet when you, they faced off against Florida last year. He was the one with the hundred yard game. Like, he he was probably set to lead the team in receiving yards once again last season if he didn't get hurt. So, like, this is the very rare kind of transition where your guy who was a, a late first round draft pick is going to be replaced by a guy who isn't going to be as high of a draft pick, but is going to be incredibly productive you get cam rising coming back the offensive line returns three starters too. you get your leading wide receiver back and your second wide receiver back as well in that department so there's a lot of guys back including andy ludwig of course so that's where i feel like utah belongs above of ucla and the other one they had him there was arizona now i understand yeah. the allure of arizona because of Jaden delora obviously but look even last year when arizona had this high-flying explosive offense utah did average more points per game for them utah averaged 38.6 to arizona's 30.8 we also know that arizona lost one of their most explosive receivers in dorian singer and as we just mentioned utah's bringing back their receivers as well as look i know tavion thomas is gone but we saw last season that tavion thomas was like the third or fourth best back on this team overall with the emergence of jaquindon jackson mckay bernard jalen glover coming back a veteran in chris 
Chris Curry. So even them too, I just expect them to be really good. And, you know, even if you look at like the schedule last year, like when they played against the big teams and big opponents, you, you see that Utah was producing better offensively or at the same level as Arizona was. So I like Jaden Delora, but I'm still rolling with Cam Rising, who's done it on the biggest stages in the biggest moments, hasn't really had a game where outside of the Oregon game last year, that was kind of his one aberration where he really fell apart. But even that he was dealing with injuries. So I'm still rolling with Utah as well. And Spencer, I firmly believe Utah has the fourth best offense in the pack because of the returners they have and just what I've seen from them in big games, like Keely being the USC game last year, especially the one at home where they were able to knock off Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams for the first time that season off an incredible performance from some of their star players. And a lot of those guys are still coming back. So I, I am not as adamant as you are that Utah will automatically be above logos in the background. So (laughs) yeah. So make no mistake. I like Utah's offense. They've got a clear identity returning OC. When you have returning OC and returning quarterback from a conference championship season, I like your chances. I exactly back to back. (laughs) I, I like your chances there. The reason Arizona only averaged four yards fewer per game. They averaged far fewer points per game, but Arizona is a team that is going like this. They're going through an ascension and they're climbing out of the hole. Utah has reached the mountaintop in the Pac-12 and is now trying to stay there. So I think it's more likely that Arizona takes a leap forward than it is Utah takes a leap back. But the reason that I would not sleep on, on Arizona is I think the Wildcats receiving core, even without Dorian Singer, is better than the Utes. T-Mac and Jacob Cowing. Those are legit dude. That is one of the best receiving tandems in the Pac-12. I think you probably start with Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan at Washington. You then probably go to Mario Williams and Dorian Singer, perhaps, at at USC. Troy Franklin's a true number one in Oregon. Who the number two is, not really sure. The third best receiving tandem, I'm trying to think if I'm leaving anybody out, and I don't think I am. Yeah. I think it's T-Mac and Jacob Cowling because Tetaroa McMillan is the highest rated recruit in program history. And he lived up to the billing last year. He's really good. And without Singer, you need those two guys to be more productive. And Cowing is a special kind of athlete. I think he's an NFL kind of guy. At the very least, he's a gadget player, return man. But he's got elite speed, good route runner, great hand, yards after catch. That is Jacob Cowing's game. T-Mac gives you the vertical presence and the contested catch. uh, The contested catches. So, I think that's where people lean towards Arizona. They're also more pass-happy offense. It's kind of a pass-happy time in football. I definitely trust Utah's ground game more. No question. I think the depth of running backs, talent on the offensive line, big advantage to the Utes. But I think quarterback is not a full wash. I think I'd lean towards Cam Rising because Delora can be a bit erratic at times. But the receiving core, uh, you know, not factoring in the tight end, yep. but like just, just the wide receivers. Yep. That is, an, that is a notable advantage to me, mm-hmm. to Arizona. And, and they're a team that, look, I haven't done my record predictions yet. That's going to come in, in August for all the Pac-12 schools. Haven't done that for Arizona, but boy, kind of feels they went from one win to five wins. And they had a big win against UCLA last year. When UCLA was in the top 15, they were 20-point home favorites. Arizona went in there and knocked them off. And I, I think that Delore is a guy that, can get you into trouble with some of his decisions, but he's also a very productive quarterback. He was top 10 or 15 in the country in passing yards per game last year. So if their offensive line and their ground game makes a jump, 
because that's what they were kind of missing for being, I think, a more effective offense. I think that's why you see the points per game being down. So they can move it down the field, but then they struggle to really, you know, pound the football in. That's not their identity at this point in time. But if they are improved on that front, then they could be a top four offense in the Pac-12. I truly believe that. And yeah, I, I think Utah deserves to be ranked fourth, as I, as I mentioned, just because of who's coming back and what they've done before in their careers. But if you're, like you said, Arizona is trending in the right direction too. There's definitely a world where they have a better offense than Utah this coming season. And yeah, it would be interesting to see where Utah and where all the other Pac-12 teams end up shaking out in the offensive category, because as usual, it's going to be a pretty high scoring league. And I think in years past, it's been because of people have been kind of bashing the defenses. I think this year more than anything else, it's going to be because of the offenses and this, how explosive they're going to be because this is the conference of champions. And that applies to when it comes to quarterbacks, especially, I know that doesn't apply to look college football playoff success necessarily, but it's going to apply to a lot of entertaining games overall. So it's going to be a fun season and hopefully one that by the time it rolls around has a media rights deal to talk about as well. Spencer, we appreciate you joined us we can only we can only hope my friend good seeing you <laughs> thank you all for listening to this episode as well and we will be back on tomorrow's show with more utah football related content